I would really recommend just following your passion first. And just like, if anybody tries to stop you, that's your red flag. Like you're not being disrespectful by chasing what makes you passionate. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Calling all women who love their ride. I would like to introduce you to a one-of-a-kind women's motor fest. You will not want to miss this sisterhood celebration of women-owned whips, cars, trucks, motorcycles, ATVs. If it has a motor, it belongs. Ladies, this is our motor fest. Boys are welcome to attend but the spotlight will be owned by the women in their whips. Check out all the details by visiting womensmotorfest.com. Devin Hoffman is in the driver's seat today. Devin is a lead manufacturing engineer, technical writer, and race car driver. She grew up on an army base with her mom, where her love of cars all started. When she was in high school, Devin started volunteering at shops for free so she could learn how to work on cars. After graduating from college, Devin got her race license and was picked up by IAG Performance as a time attack driver. Devin currently works at GE Gas Turbine as a lead manufacturing engineer. She is also involved with community and helping others learn about engineering, racing, and car maintenance. Now let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B coming to you, and I have Devin Hoffman in the driver's seat today. How are you doing today, Devin? I am great. I am happy to see your face. I have coffee. This is going to be a good time. (laughs) I like how you say coffee. You ever see the old Saturday Night Live skits, Coffee Talk? Oh my gosh, yes. I wish they come back. <laughs> Those are fabulous, right? But, you know, we've been playing kind of tag together for a while to try to get you on the show. And I'm so guilty of this where I'm in the process of moving, selling my house, and you've been so gracious and flexible with me in moving times up or back. So I want to start just by saying thank you to you. I appreciate your understanding. Oh, no, thank you. You were flexible with my work schedule too, because it's been pretty crazy as end of quarter comes. So it's like last minute. I'm like, crap, JP's going to hate me. <laughs> no, there's no hating here. It's crazy because just this last week, two weeks ago, I don't know, I'm losing track of time if I'm being honest, where we had our pre-interview about a month ago. And then literally just haphazardly, because we hadn't met in person ever, I was sitting at a table outside of the Las Vegas Convention Center for SEMA and you were just having to be walking through and I like look up, I'm like, huh, she looks familiar. And then I look down at your tag. I'm like, no kidding. How about that? And it's just (laughs) by dumb chance we ran into each other in person. 
Yeah, like five times the whole time, too. It was great. <laughs> I know. We just kept running into each other. And like the SBN thing, yeah, I kind of get it. It's like a women's networking thing. Right. But yeah. just randomly out in the front of SEMA, yeah. it was kind of crazy. Like, what are the chances, right? It was meant to happen. But we ended up sitting down, BSing for a little while, getting to know each other a little more. And you are a cool cat. I really appreciate you as a person and just down to earth. I want to jump in and share who Devin is with the rest of the world and the Femcanic community. So one of my favorite questions asked all my guests is, did you always know since you were a little girl that you wanted or that you knew that you were going to be in this industry? Yes. Some way, shape or form. Definitely not how it panned out. I always thought I was just going to be the weird engineer behind the scenes, but I knew from the moment I first heard a 69 Judge and a bunch of other muscle cars in the barracks, I'm going to build those and those things are awesome and I'm going to make them fast. <laughs> now you said Judge and you yeah. know GTOs are near and dear to my heart. I have a soft spot for Pontiac GTOs. You may or may not know this, but when I was 19, I rebuilt a 1967 Pontiac GTO convertible put a oh. 455 in it, had the posi traction. It was starlight black, red interior. Oh my God. It's my one regret in life, Devin. And that was selling that car. And I want to be fair. I didn't rebuild it by myself. Just buying the tools are expensive, right? Yeah. So I refer to it as an apprenticeship with my stepdad. He'd build one half the block, teach me, and then I'd have to build the other. He'd weld one mount, I would have to weld the other one type thing. So I always like to qualify it. I am not an expert, but boy, do I love tinkering and working with my hands. So you said barracks. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. So my mom and dad were in the army. My whole family is an army family. So I'm an army brat. Um, and we'd move around a little bit. And then once my mom separated from my dad, you know, she continued to date guys like in the military because that's who she had common with. Like she loved cars and guns too where I got it from, <laughs> you know, and some of the guys she would date had like awesome cars in the barracks. Like, you know, they get back from deployment and all their deployment money goes into these awesome hot rods. And you would hear them all like meeting up in the parking lot, revving them up. I'm probably like five at this time. And I'm like, what is that? That is awesome. And you hear like the lop of these muscle cars. I'm like, I love this. I don't know what it is, but I love it. <laughs> and so I would always get my mom to get me matchbox cars after that. And I was obsessed. <laughs> Horses and horsepower. I had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Talk a little bit about the evolution. So when you were a little girl, you're just kind of drawn to it. Yes. Right? Naturally. How did your involvement kind of evolve as you grew up? So, you know, I just always thought they were cool. And I would just get the car magazines, like a weird fangirl. I was like, that's a cool car. I just keep getting all the stuff. And I was reading about them. And then I did like, I guess what you would call like a vision board thing. And I would just like put all the cars together, like my dream builds together. And I start putting them in like Excel sheets of like what I wanted to do. And then slowly, as I got older, I um, did CAD CAM classes. And um, this was like middle school, high school. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, I can actually like do stuff with these guys. And like, my mom knew how to work on cars, but not to like the level to where I'm at now and how I progressed. And I didn't really have a dad to like show me these things. So I was like, shit. Okay, so I'm gonna start volunteering at shops because I want to know how I could fit in this. And then I heard about a turbocharger. And at that point, I was like, I'm in love. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. I'm like at that point in high school, I'm walking around with like engine blueprint books and how to build your own turbocharger books. And like, I'm going to my teacher like this. I'm like, this is what we're gonna do. And he goes, sure, kid whatever you say. <laughs> no, he was awesome. Like I remember his name, Mr. Swartz. He was 
fucking awesome. He believed in my weird little rants about like, I'm going to build these. This is going to happen. And he was like, okay, I believe in you. Here's all the tools you need. And so I just became like that weird kid that would always hang out with all like the weird car kids. And I would like learn about their builds. I'd volunteer to sweep floors at shops so I could learn what the hell I was doing. I participated in my first build where I did a lot of stuff. It was a Subaru. We did an O2 WX into an O4 STI swap. Probably the dumbest thing, but most influential thing I've done because everything we thought we knew, we didn't know. <laughs> you know, so I learned a lot from that. And then I also fell in love with Subarus at the time just because like the motors, like how they're set up, you know, like the boxer motors, like I'm in love with those. And it was the perfect mix between like a lop and a tuner car because of how like the unequal header length. I'm going to pause you a second. Yeah. I'm going to give you an opportunity to educate myself and my listeners. So you shared a lot of information there and I want to backpedal a little bit and just give everyone an opportunity to process. Yes. There's something that I loved about what you said and it's such a great message, but because you are who you are, Devin, you don't even think about it. That's the amazing thing about the women that I interview is that it is so second nature to you that you don't even realize a lot of the special things that you did because it's just what you do. And let me call it out. You went and volunteered at shops so that you were in proximity to the people that are the experts or that have knowledge that you're seeking. And the reason why that is such a big deal, and I want people to really hone in on that, volunteer means you did not get paid. Nope. <laughs> you had an end state in mind, a goal in mind, and sometimes we have to be willing, willing to do what it takes to put ourselves in the proximity of the knowledge and information that we need, even if it means working for free. Because the knowledge you get from it has a value. Yes. Does that make sense? And yeah. did someone tell you to do that? Or it just like, no. no, you're like, this is what I want to be around. Yeah. I was like, how do I learn? These people are doing it. Hi, I'm Devin. Here's what I want to do. Um, and it's kind of like what I've done my whole career. And it seems to work out so far. Um, but I'm just like, this is what I want to do. Can I like... I don't know. And I didn't know sweeping floors was an option. I was like, can I clean wheels? Can I do exhaust installs? I don't know how to do the easy shit. And he was like, nah, kid, you can sweep the floors and clean up the oil spills and stuff. And I was like, you got it. <laughs> you know, so at this point, what, you're a high school student? I'm 16. Okay. Yeah. But there's something to be said for that too, is sometimes we need to check our egos at the door. And I think that's the beauty about middle school, high school, like that younger mind is that we're hungry for knowledge and information. We don't have the life experience yet. We don't have the credentials. And what I have found with a lot of people who end up having the experience and the credentials, sometimes let their ego get the best of them and actually rob them of learning new and different ways of things because they're hanging their hat on the experience and their credentials rather than being open to other possibilities. Mm -hmm. For you to do that at age 16, I mean, if that didn't say something about you and your character, I don't know what does. I mean, that's <laughs> huge. And I love the idea of a vision board. I think it's brilliant. I recommend anyone and everyone to do it. I've sat down and created vision boards for my kids. They have a vision board. They did it like a year or two ago, and we're probably going to do it again together. Yeah. I think it's such a fun family activity. Truly. Yeah. I think it's cool. 
So that's one piece. Now explain, you started to use some jargon, some industry jargon there. Mm -hmm. Help define what that is. Okay. Oh, like the CAD CAM? So the computer-aided drafting. We'll start there and then you moved on to like the type of swaps and... Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, the CAD CAM is like the computer-aided drafting into the computer-aided machining. And as a lot of people think about it as manufacturing, like you would draw up a bracket. Like I did simple things for people for a while. I do license plates, brackets, anything that they needed so I could be involved. And I was like, I could do this <laughs> with my student license. <laughs> but um, you design that and then you either like water jet it, you know, CNC it like on the Haas or something like that. What's water jetting? Water jet, you'll have a sheet of metal and it cuts out your little drawing, you know, your little 2D drawing. And like you can like bend it and fab it and it's pretty awesome. That's one of my first things I started with. Then I went to the Haas's that we had at school, but we also had like the old ones where like you had to have a floppy drive. <laughs> I don't know if people even know what that is anymore, but you know, like the save icon, <laughs> that's like what I learned off of, you know. And then I started seeing like where certain builds that we were doing there wasn't a, I mean, there's the forms, but I was doing the, the boxer engine, you know, that's like in the Subarus, that's the 2.5 EJ. And we were swapping that out from the O2 WX. Now when people hear boxer, a lot of people make the immediate association to Porsche. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's similar. To be honest, they come from a similar background. They come both from airplanes, you know, that's a fun fact. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, they're still different. And the Subaru for me, what got my attention was because I loved muscle cars, right? And I loved the sound of the lop. I kind of liked tuner cars. What's the lop? Explain it. Oh my God. Can you like insert that noise? Like how just like you just hear, I could make the car noise, but I think everybody would make this a gif. <laughs> but like it just. Go ahead. Give it a whirl. <laughs> Try making the car noise. <laughs> it's like. Oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> and then what we could do is maybe cut in <laughs> right here. Right, yeah. <laughs> Devin's version. <laughs> yeah but it's just this angry like big like muscle car like you just hear it it's just like idling and it's just it's just ready to like whoop your ass on the track or the street you know what I mean and it is it is it is absolutely incredible you know and I know most people can tune it but I think a lot of these cars they just naturally they just had it they wasn't tuned in like they actually had the big cam upgrades and it was having like then when I heard the Subaru I was like and I know people will probably not understand this but I heard the, um, the the burble, the Subaru burble, and it comes from like the unequal header lengths that's on it. The burble. Yeah. I'm not going to make that one. <laughs> <laughs> so the burble is the noise. Yes. That's the noise you hear. Yeah. From the unequal header lengths and how like the, the motors, like the horizontal, you know, and to me, I was like, yo, you know, that's kind of like in the between. I can't afford these 69 or these judges or whatever I want, these Camaros and stuff. I'm like can't afford that, but a Subaru can kind of afford it. And it's really cool. It's turbo, you know, it's like still like JDM stuff, but it sounds like a more badass and not like racer. So for me, you know, I know a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? No, no, for me, it did because it resonated. And like, that's what sparked my interest. I was like, this is a happy medium. Yeah, this is a happy medium. And, you know, I kind of just chased that and I wanted to learn everything about Subarus. And what do you do when you want to learn everything about 
Subarus or anything, you fail a lot. <laughs> you do a lot of dumb shit and you slowly progress to where you kind of know something. <laughs> and that's kind of like what really started my journey is like working on, I think it was like my ex-boyfriend's car at the time. And we remained friends after that because I like, I want to learn how to work on this car, you know? And it was like, just because we're over, me and the car are not over. We're learning how to continue to work on this. And he was like, cool. Because he needed all the help he could get too. And, you know, when, while we're doing this swap, I mean, we realized we didn't have the tools for some of the stuff we thought we did. You know, Jerry rigged a lot of stuff like OSHA. If this was a company, OSHA would have shut us down. <laughs> but it was so cool. Now, this is all by the age of 18. This happened all under the age of 18 or ish? 17. 17. Yeah. All of this starting yeah. CAD. All. Yeah. Wow. So what happened after high school? You know, I just kind of like wanted to figure out what I was going to do in college. I thought I wanted to be a mechanic. So before I moved from Pennsylvania down to Georgia, where I found a school I wanted to go to, I tried it out and I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go be an engineer. Like I'm done. You know, so you should have known your engineer mind as a teenager, you were using Excel sheets to organize <laughs> stuff. Like that should have been the first cue for you. <laughs> Yeah, looking back now, I see this like that was my thing. But um, yeah, so then I went to a tech school because I was kind of like, I didn't want to jump right into a bachelor's. I wasn't 100% sure on my career path. I knew I wanted to do something with cars. I just didn't understand what yet. But I knew a mechanic was not one of them. <laughs> I got to pause you and give you kudos here. I think that is one of the smartest decisions younger people can make. And by younger, I mean, you're graduated high school. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to know what's next for you. Yeah. And a lot of times people, and I was one of them, are pushed into college. Yeah. And ask some grown adults, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Ask a 30 or 40 year old. And a lot of them will be like, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. Because a job, a J-O-B is not the same thing as what you want to be when you grow up. Absolutely. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And when you're 18, like, honestly. Yeah. Seriously. And then to invest in college, which is your first major, major expense as a person. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't pay for it all up front, you have student loans following you around afterwards. What you did right there is go to a tech school to start figuring it out, I think is absolutely brilliant. And kids, I'll tell you, if your parents are pushing you, parents, you can call me personally, look up my number and yell at me if you want. Sometimes we have to give our kids space to figure out what they like or don't like to set them up for long-term success rather than a bunch of student loan debt. Yes. I think that was brilliant, Devin. Thank you. My mom, yeah, she never pushed me. She's like, you're going to go to college. You're going to figure out a job, something you want to do. Like, I've always had a job. Like, even when I was like 16 and stuff, I was working at like JCPenney's after school and then fitting the shop stuff in. It was always like my mom taught me make yourself sustainable and have a foundation before you start fucking around. And I was like, cool. You know, and that set me up for a lot of success. I know she went to a tech school after she got out of the army to like kind of restart her career and pivot. So to me, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna do the same thing. And but I'm just going to do engineering stuff. So I did engineering technology or mechanical engineering technology is what I did. And um, it was pretty cool. Like most of the professors were cool. I was like the only chick in class, but I like did my makeup like this. And I think people were still like, what is she doing here? But they didn't know how obsessed with cars I was and anything like that. So I got to really like 
blow some minds here. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, but I made a lot of good friends out of it. And I think like it was pretty beneficial, but I stuck to all my CAD CAM classes and then all the physics and maths for like the college level for an associates. And that was really cool. But then I like was a dumbass and I put my racing stuff on hold because the guy I was with at the time had a very big problem with me doing male dominated things um, when he wasn't around. Can we explore that a little bit, Devin? Because you're not the first female that has run into that and you're not going to be the last. Yeah. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about that because I think there's a lot of women that can relate to that. Yeah. You know, like I met this guy at the barracks, of course. Um, How old were you for reference? I was 21. I think at this point. Yeah. Like when I was 18, I showed up to SEMA and it was 2011 SEMA. And I told everybody, I was like, I am a future engineer. And they're like, sure, kid. Like, you know, so I already had done that at that point and I was like excelling. And then when I started going to college and stuff, I met my ex or this guy on post because that's where all the cool cars were. That's what I was familiar with. Yeah. You know, the barracks and on post felt like home to me. And Um, even though he didn't have a cool car, we just clicked. But then the more I started doing my stuff, the more it started causing like fights and, you know, I didn't want to do anything wrong in my relationship, you know? So I just kind of backed off and I started like, like I could be way further if I wouldn't have done that. But I thought that's what you do. Like you compromise with your partner, you want them to feel comfortable and yeah, maybe I shouldn't be around so many dudes. So I took like an architecture job for a while to like please him and step away from the car stuff. How long were you in this relationship, Devin? Five years when we actually ended up getting engaged. Five years. Yeah. What would you tell your 21-year-old self or 23, let's say you're a year or two in that relationship? Knowing what you know now, what would you tell younger Devin and other younger impressionable women? Listen to your mom. (laughs) Um, But then also like career in you first. I think a lot of people are so focused on a relationship when they're out because they feel like that's what the society says we got to do. You have your high school sweetheart. If you don't, you got to have a relationship quick and then you got to get married and then you got to have kids and then you get divorced. You know, like that's the cycle it goes through, especially when you're with military. Like that is the cycle. You get married young because you're not promised tomorrow. So like I get that, you know, Um, but I would really recommend just following your passion first and just like if anybody tries to stop you, that's your red flag, you know, like you're not being disrespectful by chasing what makes you passionate, you know, and I'm sure your parents are telling you and you're like, no, 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 but I love him. That was me. My mom the whole time. She was subtly trying to tell me because like, obviously, she didn't want to overstep or push me away. She's like, you're an adult. You'll figure it out. But like the whole time she was like, I don't know. You remember when you wanted to go to SEMA and do all this stuff like you want to go back? And I was like, yeah, but you know, he has some really good points about like all the guys. And (laughs) I don't know, I validated the fuck out of it and made excuses. And I would just say to people, don't do that. If you are being pulled away from your passion, that's not your person, they should be supporting you, you know, and it's really not your job to avoid trade shows or a career, maybe a party with a bunch of dudes. Sure. Okay, I get you. You know, but like not getting drunk and yeah, that's different than yeah, situations like that. Yeah, but career things that should be a red flag. And that should be something that like, that's not your person. You want somebody that's hyping you up and say, go get your dreams. I'm here for you. You know, that should, yeah. It sounds like a, dare I say, controlling or insecurity on their part. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And how it all went down clearly, like walked in on him and another chick. And I was like, that's awesome. 
<sighs> but six months before our wedding too. And I was like, cool. So I sold my engagement ring and I bought this lovely girl. <laughs> well, I, everything happens for a reason, right? Oh, absolutely. And it was crazy because finding a stock STI and people probably know finding whatever your niche vehicle is, finding a stock anything is like next to fucking impossible. You know, so I found the stock 15 STI probably like a month after we split up, sold my ring, went down to Orlando to, with my mom. And I was like, I am buying this car like this is happening. And because it was on the lot for two days, just happened to work out, bought this car, drove it back. I mean, the car was it. I believe there was some bad karma with that, the ring, because the car went through like, I'm ready for the Subaru jokes, but the car went through like four motors, but it was stock. But it was like the, the dealership didn't know what they were doing, but I had this brand new vehicle that nobody had driven by the end of that, you know? So. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> she gave up. Um, one previous owner, it had, I think like 7,000 miles on it with a chick that didn't know how to drive a manual. So she gave up and sold it. So <laughs> nothing was done to this car. You should have called her after you own it and then it wouldn't matter, but still teach her how to drive so that it, she doesn't do that. I know. I was half like, I want to call her, but I was like, no, no, this is mine now. Good luck. <laughs> I think that's a very important message that young women hear. Your gut was telling you something, but you ignored it. Yeah. You know, and I, well, I'll blame that on my daddy issues. We'll just go there. You know, like I was like, this is what I need. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, sister, we all go to therapy. And if someone doesn't go to therapy, shame on you. You should go. We all have our baggage. We just got to deal with it. Yes. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. It just makes it manifest more. Same thing with your check engine light. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. <laughs> no, no. Or playing the music louder so you can't hear stuff doesn't make it go away, folks. Yeah. We just got to deal with it. Yeah. So here you are. You bought this car, if math serves me correctly, probably about 25 or 26 years old. Yeah, yeah, because it was 2016 when I bought it. It was the 2015 I bought it in 16. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So five years when that's rough, man. You could have been maybe racing at that point or who knows where. I had a lot of opportunities and a lot of people that I was already emailing from SEMA because I got invited to go to SEMA in 2012 and 2013 or 14. And again, he just kind of like freaked out about it. And 2012, I was already like trying to juggle college, my tech school and like my part-time job. And then I was doing a little bit of shop stuff, but again, I had to stop that to like, but <laughs> um but so like that was fine but like yeah I could have been excelling at this and really I hate to be like oh it could have but I really could have you know I really could have yeah. been a lot further yeah you know yeah so then I like have my car and then I connect with shops again but then I was an idiot because his boss wanted like his first sergeant wanted to go out with me oh um, and then again like that was like a year of where like he liked cars but it was on his terms you know, and he didn't really like, again, it was like he liked having the car girl as a girlfriend. You know what I mean? But he didn't like when I knew more. He didn't like when I could work on shit more or like that became like a weird power struggle. And then I was just like, you know what? Fuck all of this. So we separated after his kids told me he was cheating on me. I was like, yo, I'm so done with this. <laughs> so I was like, I am his kids told you his kids told me they were like five and six or something i don't know yeah oh wow so i went back to school i was like i'm gonna get my four year i don't want to be a cad jockey anymore i'm not even in the industry i want to be anymore and then i got a job at textron for a little bit to like 
try to get it to like DOD and unmanned systems. Cause I was like, well, I'm at least going to have a really good government job. And then I'm going to go do race car shit. Our project got laid off and it kind of pushed me to be like, okay, what am I going to do next? And so then I started working at BMW and that's when everything started changing. I found a shop. I was able to like work at the shop after hours while I was going to school, while I was going to BMW like full time. You know, I was going to Embry Riddle doing 18 hours of courses uh, <laughs> for my mechanical engineering degree. And then driving to Columbia to work at the shop and volunteer to like learn more and do like more of like a performance kind of stuff instead of just your everyday minivan stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I learned a lot with him and I got to like grow with that shop a little bit. And then that's what got me into racing. Cause he was like, Devin, you really need to try an HPDE. Like if you're going to be an engineer, you need to understand. Explain what that is. High performance driving education. There you so go. like NASA and SCCA, they all offer stuff like that. And I did it with NASA and I thought it was pretty great. By NASA, we're not talking about going to the moon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I started doing that and I was like, okay, well, I was like, this isn't a race car. I understood what race cars were at that point because he was actually getting some cool builds in the shop. And, you know, I've been obsessing. I'm still having my car magazine collection go up to here. My tech books go up to here about like car shit and like stuff I want to build. So I'm like, this is not a race car. This is a boat. I'm like, it is so heavy. It's not aerodynamic, you know, but I did it anyways. I did a track day and I fell in love. (laughs) I fell in love and I was like naturally good at it. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. I never got to do carts because I had an anger problem. I'm redheaded, you know? Um, (laughs) So my my mom was like, no, no, (laughs) you're not doing this. So I never, I never experienced that, but man, in the car, I was ready. I was like, I found my passion a hundred percent, you know, it just kind of like took it from there. And so you're how at this point? Uh, I think 26, 27. So 26, 27 is when you got to like your first true experience of racing. Yeah. And it was driver education. So, I mean, it kind of counts. Everybody's like, we're racing at HPDEs. We were together. Maybe not other racers were like laughing at us, but like I would win the HPD. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. Like, uh, cause you were paired with so many people like at your level, but it was like so many different ages. So I felt initially like really behind the ball because people have been doing this since they were like five or like 12 or whatever. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I like just got in this car like this. I'm on 550 treadwear tires. Like clearly I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) You know, like I, I don't know. Like I'm just here. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) You know, so seeing the age difference in some of the HPD is like really made me feel a bit more comfortable because there was like anybody from like my age to like sixties. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. we can roll with this yeah I was like that's kind of what accelerated like feeling comfortable in that a little bit more and it was very intimidating because there were still a lot of people that were like way younger than me you know they're already done with college and <laughs> they're already like on their like fifth season and I'm sitting here like that is awesome and I was like please don't think I'm the weird old person <laughs> you know what I mean I'm still in college at 26 that's well yeah because they were like 21 22 and I'm like oh my god you have your life figured out so much and I'm like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my hands but I'm trying I'm like I'm finishing my four-year degree finally and I was like the first person in my family to have a bachelor so that was pretty cool too but like other people I feel like that's very normal and I'm like that was the first one I was so happy (laughs) you should be thank you you should be but then like working on my car and like working with Subarus a lot more like that shop 
really taught me a lot about a lot more in depth about Subarus and everything that I like had fucked up prior. I learned better with the shop. And then I started working with people that were making the parts, you know, so then I started working with like IAG and things like that. And that's how the relationship started for me eventually getting like sponsored and taken on because I would give feedback like here's what I'm seeing in people's builds. Is this normal? Or can we pivot on this? I'd give like them feedback and they would give me feedback on how to like install or pivot against something else. And then they would start giving me parts and I would test like some parts or stuff like that. And then our relationship just took off from me doing like this engineering stuff to them, like believing in me and like, come on, kid, we're going to take you racing the real way. And it just like has taken off. (laughs) That's actually brilliance on their part, because it's one thing to find the person that grew up karting, racing, moving up through, right? Here you are with an engineering mind. At this point, you're finishing up your engineering degree. Yeah. And you're a driver. So you take that engineering information and you're able to pull it basically like R&D for them. Yes, it was 100%. And having an employee do R&D, that isn't on the payroll. Yes. (laughs) They're just supplementing products for you to test and give them feedback on. Now, I'm guessing when that started off, that wasn't the plan, but that's serendipity for you, right? You just doing what you love to do and you being in your zone of genius. When you're in your zone of genius and you follow your passion and your heart, things fall into place effortless. Yeah. It truly is effortlessly. Has that been your experience, Devin? Um, I don't feel like it was like effortlessly, but honestly, yeah, like people just, I mean, there's work. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But people just start taking chances. Like my goal was to get the shop to be an IAG dealer. I had no idea this was going to like transform into something more, you know? And then I started asking like JJ, the owner, I was like, can I go to races? You know, because they used to sponsor this girl. And I was like, I want to be like her. Like, this is awesome. And he was like, well, you can like maybe help Fred with tire pressures or you can like just help her with whatever she needs and you can come hang out and like see what it's like, you know, like just giving me a chance to be a part of the team. And then finally being like, you know what? We really love your passion. We love what you're doing let's go racing, you know, and then I was racing. And it's just like people just started giving me chances and believing in me. What was that time frame? Just to put things in perspective for people, and it doesn't have to be exact, Devin, but I feel like some people, especially in today's world with instant gratification with social media, Mm -hmm. that we oftentimes get frustrated and walk away and give up or allow our frustration to morph into kind of a bad attitude. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is right before you hit it big, you hit that goal, that dream, you end up walking away. Yeah. So that's why I'm asking, you know, from that moment where it's like, yes, let's do this. And they're like, well, we don't know. Why don't you go do the tire thing and pressure and get a feel for it to when you actually lined up on the grid? Are you talking weeks, months? Year. Another year. Um, Cause like I, I started, I will say harassing like jokingly, but I started harassing the owner about like stuff I was seeing in the shop I was working at and customer feedback and my feedback in 2018, probably all of 2018. And then I went to races and would try to connect with the team after that. And I would just show up to like a local race they were at Road Atlanta. And then uh, 2019, he started letting me tag along because I was like fangirling over one of the girls they partnered with at that time. Um, And then he like, just kind of let me see everything, you know, so like all of 2019, 
And then by the end of 2019, he was like, you know what? You know, the team likes you. We like you. You're really relatable. You know, like you have a passion. You have a dream. We have a spot open because she went to go do something else. So like a spot opened and he was like, let's go. And I was like, oh, my God. And so it was cool. So like then 2020, uh, obviously that was COVID, but 2020 was my first like official like season with them. So I got partnered up with them and like all my other partners that I was doing like little engineering things with and like Moto IQ, I was like doing tech articles and a couple other people. I was just like very interested in their processes and interested in helping them with anything that I could do just to keep that connection. And it just snowballed to being like where I'm at now. I want to pause a second because you say things in passing. And again, I don't think you realize it. What you've just described is pretty remarkable because just in passing, you said, well, with this group, I was doing tech articles. So you were writing. You weren't just doing CAD work, right? right? And here you are partnering with all of these different companies. What I'm picking up from you is sometimes in very different ways. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And to be open to completely different ways of partnering with different people and companies. Mm-hmm. This company, it sounds like, hey, you're doing tech articles for. But yet in another company, it, you may actually be getting in the car and installing a part, testing the part, giving feedback on the part, right? Yep. So very different. That's a perfect example of keeping your mind open to what a connection and relationship could be professionally. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm glad you highlighted that because a lot of people feel like it happened overnight. And a lot of people like the shit I was getting is like, oh, you started fucking these people. And I'm like, like, you know, I I hate it, but I get it from the perspective of like, I wasn't really good at putting on social media what I was doing. So I think for a lot of people, it seemed like it was overnight. And I never showed that I was working in the shops. Wait a second. There's still no excuse (laughs) for making an assumption like that. Yeah. And you're not the first person I heard that from, Devin. There are so many times that I have heard when a female works their way to the top that that must be the reason. Yeah. Like a woman can't, we haven't earned it. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, right? Right. Absolutely. Crappy stuff exists everywhere. I don't care. That's not gender specific, right? Mm -hmm. But to immediately discount a woman that the only way she can accomplish something is because a man hands it to them because they get sexual favors is irritating. Yeah. I find it super funny. It's because like I didn't post that I was working in shops. You know, I'm an engineer. I didn't give a fuck about social media. I didn't care. You know, so and I'm working on customers cars. And honestly, I am so checked out. By the time I am like working on cars and doing stuff because I have a full-time job. I'm going to school full-time. I don't know what the hell is happening or what day it is. I'm trying to function and get through it. I'm not trying to document like... You're working. You're getting it done. I'm changing this. And there's nothing wrong with the girls that do. I kind of envy you because they have documented it and they look really cute as shit doing it. And I'm like, I love that. I look like I'm a sweaty raccoon, (laughs) you know? But, you know, like I never documented a lot of that. And um, I kind of regret it a little bit because I kind of missed out on like the car girl thing and the real mechanics. And I was like, damn it. I was really busy. (laughs) Not that you weren't doing it. You're busy doing it. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I didn't understand the power of social media and how that probably could have benefited me. But like, yeah, I, I feel like I didn't document a lot of that. And then people started fixating on like, Oh, you're sleeping with this person and blah, blah, blah. And I just got to the point where I was like, 
I became so numb to it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just fucking everybody. You know, I just have so much time. But then I was also like, wait, why are you obsessed with my sex life? Like, why is it so like you guys can fuck any of these girls and all these models and all this shit and be in their DMs and like have nudes uh, like chats where like you share girls nudes. But like, God forbid I sleep with somebody like sex is not going to get you ROI. Business owners know this. You can sleep with them. You're not getting anything. You're just getting sex. I'm sorry. But it doesn't translate into money. You know what I mean? And like, why do people not understand that? That is just a human sleeping with somebody that is their fucking business. And then they have to still provide something else. So like, to me, that was obviously not the right answer. Because then people were like, Oh, so you are doing it. I was like, No, I'm just the logic behind it. Yeah. Like, they're not getting ROI from sex. Yeah. (laughs) You don't get anything, you know, out of sleeping with people. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And so that just became like a whole thing I started having to fight. And that became very annoying. And it almost made me not want to document anything because I was like, fuck it. If you guys are going to be that close minded, I'm just going to stay behind closed doors more. And I'm just going to start just keep doing engineering, just talk to engineers. And I'm not going to post shit. I'm not going to do anything, you know, and it almost kind of like, ruined it because some of the girls were the ones starting the rumors more than the guys were i know yeah and i was like what yeah it depends right it's interesting because when i first started this journey i'll be the first to admit that i thought a lot of the backlash or blocking so to speak Mm -hmm. i thought it was men i'll be the first to admit yeah but i was intelligent enough to do my research before i opened my mouth about anything yeah Because that's one of my biggest pet peeves is people running their mouth about something and they haven't done their research. And then you just look ignorant. Yeah. You look dumb. Yep. Look for the facts. Find the facts. What was probably the hardest thing for me, Devin, is acknowledging and accepting the fact that I have preconceived biases against women as well. Yeah. That does start to happen. I do. I do. And I catch myself and I'm like, this is bullshit. I know this is not the case. And I'm not into the petty stuff. That's not me. I'm not a gossiper. I'm not into any of that. But it's one of those things where I'm a product of my environment where it's like, okay, the mechanic, the construction worker, men know more. And it's bullshit. (laughs) I know it's BS, but I've caught myself when I go in somewhere and I'm like looking, you know? Yeah. But I'm not ignorant about it. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. And I also acknowledge that about myself and check myself on it. Yes. But the pettiness, society pits women against each other. Oh, my God. And I think it's BS. Yeah. No, it does. And oftentimes it's not even women doing it to each other. It's this false kind of bait and switch type stuff that gets put in our head. 100% stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like I – have been guilty of it too. Cause like there's been women I've looked up to and wanted to be friends with. And Oh my God, they have flipped like a 180, like after like the mask comes off and you're like, Oh no, you're a horrible person. Oh my God. <laughs> and like, you're the one talking about me. I'm like, shit. Like I did not see that coming, you know? And cause like I have this problem where I want to be friends with everybody and I'm constantly reminded by my uh, mentors. Not everybody's your friend. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know what you mean. I fuck up with that a lot. <laughs> Cause I want to help everybody. Yeah. And I like the whole, like a rising tide raises all boats. Like I believe in that and I love that, but I've gotten myself in so much trouble. I've gotten benefits out of it. Like I've gotten great relationships, but I've also like gotten so shit down. Like I used to work with a women's team an all women's team. We won't mention who it is, but like 
people that were there under, know very well who it was, but like they spread rumors instead of just telling me, Hey, you don't have enough followers or you don't have enough money or whatever. Like, you know, I just don't like your attitude, something constructive or something that made sense. They decided to spread a rumor. And that was my first thing of like really stepping back and being like, shit, everybody really isn't your friend. Like I looked up to some of these women, like they are really cool, like indie drivers and really cool, like uh, IMSA drivers. And I was like, these women are awesome. And I was like, oh, wow. I want to talk a little bit about your racing career. How did that go? It is very interesting. Um, So I you know, started doing all these like HPDE events, trying to get my time trial license. That was kind of a mess. It was just like a lot of trial and error and me just trying to figure out what I'm doing, you know, because I didn't come from that background and I'm really hard on myself. So I think my progression for me was exciting and stressful, but I did the time and I almost wanted to hold on to instructors too long because I was like, no, no, please hold my hand. And I like didn't have the confidence that I was going to do well sometimes, you know, so I, I took a little bit more time in HPDs with an instructor. So probably like a year and a half before I finally tried to get my time trial license. And then I did that. And I entered my first event. And I was kind of by myself, like IOG was kind of there to help if anything happened, but I wasn't there like with them. Mm-hmm. I was like pitted beside them, but I was still with myself. And I just started trying to like, do a couple things at a time because I had like some pro driver friends, like mostly my guy friends were like, here's how you attack it. Here's a track map. And like, cause I had to work with some like the data engineers and they're giving me all this information. I'm super overwhelmed, super grateful. And I just tried to like navigate like, okay, one thing at a time and just have fun with it. And for a while it was like a lot of fun and I wasn't the best, but I was constantly improving like a lot. And that was so exciting. So I've been partnered now for like three years, this will be my third year. And it was very quick to me, uh, or very apparent to me, should I say that I am very much against people that have been doing this their whole lives, and are very, very talented, and are not engineers. I have such a risk assessment in my mind when I'm racing. And I feel like that I might not be the best driver sometimes because I'm like, no, no, I don't want to die. (laughs) You know, and then I'm like racing with my friends, like, and they become my friends, like all these people have become like my friends or acquaintances or just awesome they're just like if you don't feel like you're you're not gonna die you're not doing it right I'm like yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is why you're first all the time and this is why I'm like (laughs) mid-pack you know and it's been really like an honor having so many people believe in me um but it's been an incredible amount of pressure most of it which I'm pretty sure I do myself but like when you have these people believe in you and you're like I don't know what I'm doing I'm just recently got out of this I'm just gonna try my best and I'm happy to be here I start wanting to make the owner of IAG proud of me the team that's even out here working on my car proud of me like my data engineer coming out there like I got all this shit like so quickly when I became a part of that program and I was like oh I gotta prove that I'm worth it because I'd have so many guys in the paddock And this time it was guys that would be like, why are you sponsoring her? Like, she's slow. She's this. But there was equally as many that liked me. But it was like the passive comments behind your back to like my team. And so I was constantly like, I want to prove to them I'm worth their time. And I am so grateful. And, you know, a lot of times it would just be like, I almost feel like I missed out on some of the fun with it because I would just be trying to make them happy. I just want them to be happy and know that I'm worth it. And I am so grateful and I'm going to get better. I think that's a common theme for women where I feel like we miss out on breathing to appreciate the journey and have fun because I've never felt like I could just be. I felt like I always had to prove myself 10 times harder than my brother even had to for stuff. Yeah. 
You know, and my brother loves me. We got a great relationship. And this isn't about male bashing or anything. It's just that's the society that we're in. Yep. And, you know, it just kind of takes away from the experience in a way. It does. You know, I, I started going to therapy again, like halfway through because I was in a relationship during a lot of this. And I realized like I still had a lot of toxic shit left over that I needed to work on. But then it started coming into like the racing and I would talk about like, yeah, I was like crying at every event somewhere, like trying to be away from the guys because I didn't want them to see it. And I didn't want to be labeled as drama or emotional. And I'm going to get emotional talking about it. But I was just so grateful that like IG and them believed in me. I didn't believe in myself that much because I was like, I'm not like Jackie Bing, you know, he's fucking amazing, you know? And I was just like, these people believe in me and I'm here like mid pack, you know? And I'm here having people say like, Oh, like, what are you doing? Like, why are they with you? And stuff like that. You must be doing this, this and that. And I didn't want my team to be embarrassed. And I was like trying so hard just to like show them that like, I'm so grateful and I'm going to do the best I can. And if ideally, obviously I would have wanted to win, you know, (laughs) and show them that the effort was so worth it. But like, it just became so stressful. And um, again, not necessarily because of them. Like, obviously they want me to do well because it helps everybody, you know, but yeah, it did start to be like towards like some of the last events, one of the engineers was like, you know, I just feel like you're not having fun and you're emotional. And I'm like, well, no shit, dude, because I love that you're here representing me and I'm fucking stuck at mid pack right now. And you think it's not frustrating. You know what I mean? Like you think it's not frustrating that I'm not doing as well. And I just want to make you proud of me, you know? And like, when I told him that he was like, Oh, you know, I thought you were just like mad or like sad because of whatever. And I would tell them, Hey, I need a minute. I would just be like a fucking diva, you know, so I don't want it to come across like that. I would literally just go to the bathroom and be like, I'll be right back. <laughs> Cause I'm so embarrassed when I come back and see my time. I'd be like, Oh fuck. I'm sorry. I like let you guys down, you know? But because of that, like I started talking to my pro driver friends and they are so established. They're immune to that. But I have noticed the kind of person I am. I'm kind of looking forward to next season taking a step back a little bit more. Um, I'm still going to be partnered with people, but I kind of need to reset and I kind of need to like kind of go back to how I started, like doing a little bit more by myself. Like I still have all my partners there. I just need to like go to the events by myself maybe and start building up that confidence again and having fun with it. Because the last two events I did that weren't like super huge, it was just me and my crew chief. We had the best time. We had the best time. And I was having fun again, you know, and Yes, the comments were still there, but I was finding like, okay, I'm relaxing. I'm enjoying it. You know, my team is here. They still love me. It's great. I just don't have all these people here. I don't have the pressure. I don't have the owner. I don't have the engineer. I don't have all this shit. It's just me and him. And I'm just having a great time, you know, and I'm kind of looking forward to like resetting and being able to take that in. You bring up a great message, Devin. And I want to bring it to the forefront. And you said it in so many words, but it does not matter what you're doing in life, whether you're a race car driver and trying to figure all that out and the pressures that go along with that, which a lot of people don't understand or don't know, especially if you have sponsors, right? And what I heard in your message is we all have, especially as women, like, oh man, worthiness. We're worthy of it. Yeah. And you can be thankful and grateful and know that you're worthy of it. And that's the challenge, the continual challenge. Yes. Right? It's that imposter syndrome. Yes. It's it's all of those things. (laughs) Right? It's a real challenge. I face it regularly. I face it regularly. Last year, when I quit my day job, terrified, 
terrified. So every SEMA is an anniversary for me of when I left corporate America, my cushy job, right? And went out on my own. So every SEMA, it's a reminder. So this SEMA of 2022, it was my first anniversary of one year of leaving my cushy job. Mm -hmm. But the challenge, what I hear from you is reminding ourselves that we're worthy of this. Yes. Be grateful. Be thankful. But you deserve this. You do. You have those things, Devin, (laughs) because you're worthy of it and because you deserve it. You worked hard for it. You've been through some shit for it, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And that's the biggest challenge is receiving it and believing it. And sometimes we just need someone to say it to us. Yeah. So this is me saying it to you. (laughs) Thank you. It, you're worthy of it. I wouldn't have you on this show <laughs> if I didn't. I truly mean that. I'm very particular with who I invite on my show. Very picky. And you deserve this. So the biggest challenge is for ourselves to believe it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Clearly, you're on a journey and a path towards that. Yes. And it's the journey. And I'm not sure it's ever a destination. Yeah. But for me personally, I'm not going to speak for all women, but I think a lot of women, and you'll relate to this as well, is when I feel good, like I have a little swag to me, like I'm feeling confident that sometimes that intimidates other people. Mm -hmm. Conceit is very different than confidence. Yes. And what I will tell you and all the ladies is be confident. Don't be conceited and don't let someone else tell you you're being conceited. Right. You'll feel it. You'll know it. You'll know it. And I'm excited to continue watching your journey, Devin. (laughs) I truly am. And now that I know you a little better now, I'm really looking forward to this and having those little moments. You'll know it. You feel it. Even as a spectator, you feel it where you truly receive the gift. Yeah. And sometimes that's the hardest thing is not in the giving of the gift. It's receiving the gift. Yes. That's been the hardest thing for me is it's real easy for me to give the gift. Mm -hmm. But what someone taught me is the greatest gift I could give anyone is receiving that genuine compliment from them. Yes. Yeah. It's so hard, and that's been my biggest challenge, is truly receiving it. Pause and truly receiving it, and I still struggle with that. I want to launch into the red line round because I'm pretty excited to hear your answers to these questions. Okay. And I think it ties in really nicely to the conversation that we're having right now. The red line round is just five rapid-fire questions, no right or wrong answer, just whatever (laughs) pops into your head's the right answer. Are you ready? Let's go. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in this industry? My mom, 100%. Like she has always been in these fields where either her parents didn't want her to be in it, guys didn't want her to be in it, whatever. She's an immigrant here, joined the army, kicked ass, and just keeps pivoting no matter what happens, like no matter how much abuse or homelessness or whatever happens, she just continuously pivots. If you don't know her, you're just always thinking that she's happy to be here. You know, (laughs) she struggles just like everybody else, but like she just handles it in such a way that I'm always like in the back of my mind when I'm like super upset about stuff. I'm like, she never gave up. My shit's not nearly as bad. So I'm going to keep going. (laughs) She's always pushed me to believe I can do it. She handles it with grace and class, it sounds like. And then some serious grit. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And it's been so motivating because that's a constant in my life. And it just reminds me like, it's going to be fine. Just keep going. (laughs) I love it. And you said immigrated from where? Germany. I am only American. Everybody else is German. Gotcha. Born and raised there. Nice. So do you speak fluent German? No, and all my Germans hate me for this. You know, like my family didn't want to have me learn a lot of German because they were having problems learning English. And like they weren't greeted very well at the time when they came here. They came here in like the 90s. And it wasn't like cool then to know multiple languages. They like had a hard time in school and like, you know, passing the ASVAB and stuff. They were like, shit. (laughs) So they didn't want me to have problems. I understand where it came from. Got it. But yeah, it would have been cool. Devin, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you feel stuck? When I want to learn something new, I usually go to the source of what I want to learn. Like right now, like I want to go learn more about suspension and oil stuff. So I literally just go to Multool and I'm like, hey, hi, I'm Devin. (laughs) Please like help. I want to learn this. I have no problem going to the source of stuff um, of like what I want to learn. Nice. What excites you most about what you do? learning and being able to like share my journey with people. Cause like I started this year because of like, the racing has been um, hit or miss just how finances and, you know, the industry is changing a little bit from like racing to like off-road. So I've been able to take this step back and kind of like refix my image of what I want to go for. And it's not an influencer, even though I'm doing the influencer programs, but like I'm starting to like want to do this educational thing because I'm realizing how much stuff to me is so like common knowledge like I saw people geeking out about using a fair arm at the SEMA garage. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. But like, I do that all the time. Like, what do you mean? But so I, I'm starting to realize, oh shit, I could teach people about this and like get them excited about automotive. So I'm really looking forward to like being um, educational and like showing people, here's all the opportunities in automotive that you can do that they never knew about. Like, I'm excited to like share stuff like that with people. Awesome. What's a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel unsupported or discouraged? A personal habit? Probably just perseverance. I have a problem not going for things. (laughs) Even sometimes when I feel like I'm going to lose all my support for the following year or whatever, I'm just like being negative Nancy. I'm just always like, okay, I cried about it. Let's go. Let's just keep going. Like I just just keep going. (laughs) See what happens. (laughs) Nice. What's your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the motorsports industry? I would say definitely go to therapy. Um, (laughs) I mean, honestly, it keeps you accountable. And I feel like it keeps me in check of myself and not believing the mean things my brain says sometimes. And also keep having your close network of people. You know, I think having a support system, whether it's just one person or your therapist, I don't know, (laughs) you know, having a support system that is helping you stay true to yourself, make sure you're not taking on other people's shit advice or living for other people and making sure your self-esteem is coming from yourself and not others. Not external factors. Yes, exactly. I've heard this thing that it was like, you know, if you're looking at other people, it was like, you know, you're looking in like a cracked mirror. You're not going to rearrange your face to fit that cracked mirror. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. Why would you do that? You know? (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Devin, where and how can people connect with you? So I am on LinkedIn, Facebook. I just started a TikTok not too long ago. Don't make fun of me. No. Um, <laughs> and Instagram. Everything is um, Divine Force Racing. And obviously LinkedIn on my professional stuff would be Devin Hoffman. Nice. Devin, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat 
and willing to share a little bit of your world with the Femcanic community. But thank you for being you and thank you for being willing to be vulnerable. Thank you for having me and listening. Hi, I'm Devin Alexandria Hoffman. I am a driver and lead manufacturing engineer and I'm a Femcanic. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website at femcanic.com for swag and the links to the resources shared during this episode. If you want to help grow this community, subscribe, rate, and review. And most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?